going to ask you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 18. Luke chapter number 18, we're going to read uh, three verses this morning. Luke chapter number 18, these are verses that we've looked at before uh, already in our study of the murder of Jesus, but I want you to notice here Luke chapter number 18, verses 31 through 33, they are very fitting as to the uh, content of the sermon and the subject material that we'll be discussing here uh, not only today, but probably uh, in, in at least one more message on this particular topic. In Luke chapter number 18, notice verses 31 through 33. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Of course, Jesus is talking about himself. In verse 32, For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on, and they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. We are continuing our study of the murder of Jesus. And this morning we are moving into the third part of this series of messages, and this deals with Jesus' inhumane punishment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the ability to be in your house today, to have a place to go to worship and serve you. Lord, I just pray that today you'd help us to have hearts and heads that are fixed on you. Lord, teach us what you want us to be taught. And Lord, through the preaching and teaching, may we grow closer to you. May we become more appreciative of what the Lord Jesus Christ endured on our behalf. And Lord, Uh, If there are those that are here today that know you not as Savior, we pray that you'd save them. And Lord, as we've already mentioned, draw the saints of God closer to you, that we might have a deeper love and honor for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The murder of Jesus is inhumane punishment. The Eighth Amendment of the United States Constitution reads as follows. Excessive bail shall not be required nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Now, before 1977, capital punishment was carried out in the United States by four primary methods, and I'm talking about historically. Hanging, a firing squad, the electric chair, and the gas chamber. In 1977, the state of Oklahoma adopted lethal injection as its method of execution. They did so primarily because they felt it was more humane to the condemned, and it caused the condemned to die much sooner than the other methods. Now, of course, pretty much all the states have followed, all the states that practice capital punishment, Uh, which I think is somewhere around 37 now in the United States, uh, lethal injection is the primary means of execution. Now the Jews and the Romans, in carrying out the punishment of the Lord Jesus Christ, had no such thoughts of mercy towards Him. There would be no dignified death for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in the midst of studying the murder of Jesus. And our study, as I pointed out when we began this series of messages, would cover at least three different parts of the murder of Jesus. We've already looked at the first two. 
We've already considered Jesus' illegal arrest, and then secondly, his illegitimate trial. This morning, our thoughts are turned to Jesus' inhumane punishment. There is no doubt that as we study what the Lord endured, what he endured was inhumane. What he endured would no doubt be classified by the Supreme Court of the United States as cruel and unusual punishment. Now, I want to approach this particular aspect of our study this morning by by encouraging you to open up your thoughts to not just considering Jesus' inhumane punishment as it relates to him physically being on the cross. In fact, there was much more to his punishment that was cruel and unusual, and I say inhumane, and we're going to look at that in this message and probably in uh, at least one other message to come. This morning, as we think about Jesus' inhumane punishment, I say that we can't really appreciate Jesus' sacrifice for us unless we understand all that He went through. And that includes His inhumane punishment. So, this morning, we are going to begin considering Jesus' inhumane punishment. And I want us to note on this particular topic... There are three ways that Jesus' punishment was inhumane. We are going to endeavor to make it through the first two ways this morning and then pick up with the third, perhaps not next week, but uh, in weeks to come. Three ways that Jesus' punishment was inhumane. It was inhumane, first of all, because of the emotional abuse. It was inhumane, second of all, because of the mental anguish. And then the third way that his, uh, his punishment was inhumane was because of the physical agony that he endured and that was inflicted. Now, as I mentioned, this morning our goal is to make it through these first two ways that Jesus' punishment was inhumane. Notice the first way that his punishment was inhumane. It was inhumane because of the emotional abuse. Now, I deal with abusers every day in my secular job. It is well documented that there are multiple ways that abuse happens. In fact, if you look up the statutory definition of domestic violence, it says domestic violence is abuse. And then the statute goes on to define what abuse is. Abuse can happen in a number of different ways, and there are a number of different ways by which abusers attempt to carry out their abuse with their victim or their target. Now, we're talking this morning about this first way that Jesus' punishment was inhumane. It it was because of emotional abuse. Now, emotional abuse is designed such that behavior is crafted in a way to disparage and dehumanize a person. That's emotional abuse. And I want to say to you that there is every scriptural indication that what Jesus went through can certainly be called and be proven to be emotional abuse. The behavior of those that were inflicting His punishment upon Him was designed to be in such a way to disparage and dehumanize Jesus Christ as a person. Now, we might well ask this morning as we talk about emotional abuse, and I hope that when you hear the preaching and you listen to thoughts that you do have questions that come into your mind. 
And you do say, well, well, in what way was Jesus' uh, punishment inhumane because of emotional abuse? Or in, in what way was Jesus emotionally abused? Well, first of all, he experienced emotional abuse because of the mockery. Because of mockery. There is no doubt that this was specifically designed, the mockery was specifically designed in a way to not only disparage Jesus Christ as a person, but to dehumanize Him as a person. Now remember where we're at in our study. We've looked at Jesus' illegal arrest and how that He was taken and no charges really filed against Him. And He's brought before the great Sanhedrin and then Pilate and He's condemned to be put to death and there really was no evidence of anything that was worthy to put Him to death. And so now at this point, Pilate has given in to the whims and the desires of the, of the Jewish people, and he has delivered Jesus Christ to be crucified. Now, what happens when Pilate delivers Jesus Christ to be crucified? Well, the mockery that had already started with the Jews continues, and I want you to note that Jesus suffered emotional abuse through mockery, first of all, as the Roman soldiers treated him with a twisted cruelty. The Roman soldiers treated him with a twisted cruelty. In fact, I would don't think it would be a leap to say this morning that the Roman soldiers made a sport out of mocking Jesus. They were in many ways playing to the crowd of people that had assembled so that they could mock Jesus in such a way to disparage him and dehumanize him. This is all part of Jesus' inhumane punishment. What happens today when someone's executed in the United States? Well, they get to pick their last meal, whatever it is that they want. They get to visit with whoever it is that can come into the prison and visit with them. Then they're marched off to death row or the death house, or uh, excuse me, marched from death row to the death house. And there they are placed on a gurney. They are very... Uh, clinically and medically uh, compassionately treated in the sense that the needle is stuck into the arm. The, uh, the, the different concoctions that make up the, uh, the uh, lethal injection is deposited into the arm and very quickly the person expires and is put to death. There is no marching them out and making a pu- public spectacle of them. There is no mocking them. Those that are on the other side that are there to witness the execution, they don't get to say anything to the condemned defendant. Uh, this is all done very clinically. It's all done very uh, very appropriately in the sense that, yes, this person is being executed based upon their crimes. None of that happened with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was inhumanely punished. He suffered emotional abuse by experiencing the mockery that the Roman soldiers displayed towards him. Now, the Roman soldiers made a sport out of Jesus by robing him with the garbs of royalty. Now, who did Jesus say uh, when he was questioned? Who did he say that he was? He, he, you know, he, he, Pilate said, well, they say that you're the, the king of the Jews. And he says, well, thou sayest. And, of course, Jesus was king of the Jews and is king of the Jews. And he didn't come at that time to make himself a king of a temporary kingdom. He came 
establishing a spiritual kingdom whereby he rules in the hearts of all of his people here on this earth today and one day he will establish an earthly kingdom but he didn't come for that during that time frame and so here Jesus is condemned to be crucified and the Roman soldiers make a sport out of mocking Jesus as he is some king in their eyes now watch Mark and by the way before we start turning to verses today I want to give you these references you'll want to probably jot these down we're going to look at all of these uh, passages in some form or fashion this morning and in, in the next weeks to come but you'll find what we're going to cover this morning in Matthew chapter 27 verses 26 through 50 that's Matthew 27 verses 26 through 50 Mark chapter number 15 verses 15 through 37 Luke chapter 23 verses 24 through 46 and John chapter number 19, verses 16 through 37. These all deal with Jesus' inhumane punishment. Now, as we think about the Roman soldiers' twisted cruelty towards the Lord Jesus Christ and mocking Him, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark. And I want you to note Mark chapter number 15, verses 17 through 20. Mark chapter number 15, verses 17 through 20. And I want you to notice the cruel mockings heaped upon the Lord Jesus Christ by the Roman soldiers as they uh, make fun of him and mock him for claiming that he was a king. Notice, notice Mark chapter number 15 beginning in verse number 17. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed, and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him, and put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. All of the actions here by the Roman soldiers were done to mock Jesus because he claimed to be a king. They took his own clothes off, and clothed him with a purple robe. This was no doubt a robe that had been discarded, probably by Pilate or some other leader. It was not worthy to be worn. And they put it on Jesus because he, as a king would wear a purple robe of royalty. Notice that they plaited a crown of thorns on his head. Now we're not going to get into the actual uh, uh, thorns as it relates to the physical violence that he suffered. We're going to talk about that in the third portion of this uh, message in weeks to come but notice that they put this crown of thorns upon him to mock him Caesar wore a laurel wreath as a crown and they concocted this thorn the, these thorns uh, this crown of thorns some of the thorns perhaps as, uh, as, as long as two inches long and they placed it upon his head to mock him notice as well that they began to salute him and, and call him the king of the Jews they smote him on the head with a reed they gave him a reed the reed was, a, uh, uh, was to represent a scepter that Caesar would carry as the leader of the Romans. And he would carry that scepter at Roman festive occasions and celebrations. And they did all of this to mock the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 29, listen to Matthew's version of this. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 29, it says, And when they had plaited a, thorn, a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head, and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And so we're talking this morning about Jesus' inhumane punishment. 
Do not miss the fact that Jesus suffered way more than just the physical pains of the death upon the cross. Jesus suffered an inhumane punishment. He was emotionally abused by those that would put Him to death. He was mocked by the Roman soldiers and their twisted cruelty. But secondly, He was mocked by the raging crowd and their taunting. Here I want you to turn, if you did not turn, and I didn't ask you to turn, but I just read to you Matthew chapter 27 and verse 29. Now I'm going to ask you to turn over to Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to read a number of other verses in Matthew chapter number 27. Matthew chapter number 27, I want you to note verses 39 through 44. So it was not only the Roman soldiers and their twisted cruelty that mocked Jesus, but it was the raging crowd and their taunting towards the condemned, the Lord Jesus. Notice Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse number 39. And they that passed by reviled Him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking Him, with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Now do you notice so far, that you've got the Roman soldiers mocking Jesus. You have those spectators that were there at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ walking by and mocking and reviling Jesus. You have the religious leaders of the Jews, the chief priests and others, mocking Jesus. And yet we've left out one group of people who also mocked Christ. It's covered here in verse number 44. Notice, uh, the thieves also, which were crucified with Him, cast the same in His teeth. Can you just for a moment begin to place yourself in Jesus' shoes. And there is literally nobody there to have His back. He is facing the cruelest and vilest form of death on the earth at that time. And it isn't the Roman soldiers that have one bit of mercy towards Him. It isn't the people that look upon Him and have some kind of compassion for what He's enduring. It is not the religious leaders of the day. It is not even the recalcitrant, wicked thieves that are being crucified with Him. All of them mock the Lord Jesus Christ. You ever feel like you got no one on your side? Listen, Jesus literally had no one on His side. He suffered emotional abuse in His inhumane punishment. We see the emotional abuse carried out through mockery. We see the emotional abuse secondly carried out by humiliation. Mockery and humiliation are not the same. In fact, we're going to see, and if we get to it this morning, we're also going to see that shame is not the same. But I want you to notice that Jesus was not only mocked as He suffered emotional abuse by those that would put Him to death, but He suffered humiliation. You know Isaiah the prophet and I've mentioned this multiple times in these messages, 700 years before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ prophesied 
the epic passage in Isaiah chapter number 53 termed the suffering servant. And in that passage, Isaiah prophesied of the humiliation that the Christ, Jesus, would suffer. Now, do you remember in the New Testament, there was a man by the name of Philip who was called to minister of the things of the Lord. And when there was great persecution that happened at the church of Jerusalem, a number of folks were spread abroad. They went into a number of places preaching and teaching the gospel where the Lord had told them already to go. And you know, Philip is called out into this desert place. Why would the Lord call Philip from a great revival happening in Samaria out to a desert place? Because there was a man out there who was appointed to salvation by the name of the, we know him by the name of the Ethiopian eunuch. And Philip is called out there to preach to him the Lord Jesus Christ. And what place do you think Philip chose to preach from? Isaiah chapter number 53. And I want you to listen to what the Bible says about what Philip preached to this unit in Acts chapter number 8 verses 32 and 33. In Acts chapter number 8 verses 32 and 33 the Bible reads, The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. How about this in verse 33? In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Literally, Philip is reading from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. Now, you go to Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8, you're not going to find the word humiliation there. This is, this is the New Testament Scriptures shedding light on the Old Testament Hebrew. And the import and the intent of what, what Isaiah was prophesying was to show that the Christ would suffer humiliation as He went to uh, die on the behalf of His people and suffer for the sins of His people. Now, in what ways was Jesus humiliated? Well, first of all, He was stripped naked. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 28, the Bible says, And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. I don't think they just took off his outer tunic. I believe they stripped him. In fact, we just read some verses a few moments ago that said that then they put his clothes back on him. And so they stripped him. How would you feel if publicly you were forced to strip naked? It's humiliating. Jesus suffered humiliation in that he was stripped naked. Secondly, he suffered humiliation in that he was made a spectacle for the crowd. He was made a spectacle for the crowd. Now, those that were condemned to, to be crucified under the Roman rule, they were forced to wear a sign around their neck announcing the crime for which they were condemned. You know, sometimes in a mugshot you'll see an inmate holding a sign and it might have their number, it might have the location of the of the jail, St. Clair County Jail. Some jurisdictions might have the crime for which they've been arrested for. But in Roman times and in Bible times, the condemned was forced to carry, to wear some kind of a placard or a sign around their neck announcing the crime for which they were condemned. They were then forced to walk through the streets in a public procession designed to specifically humiliate them and make them a spectacle for the people. And I submit to you that this is exactly what Jesus Christ suffered for His people. He subjected Himself to this humiliation for His people. And I want to say to you that as Jesus was forced to walk 
through the crowd and made a spectacle, there was one other thing that he had to do. He had to carry his portion of the cross. And I say his portion of the cross. We'll get into how the cross was constructed. But he was forced to carry this until they got to the place where they were going to crucify them. Now I want you to remember that up to this point, Jesus has already been brutally beaten, both by the Jews and the Roman soldiers. He has been scourged by Pilate, and we read a little bit last week about all that uh, would be uh, uh, that would that would happen and take place during that scourging. And so, at this point in what we are studying, Jesus has uh, has been beaten literally to a pulp. His back is lacerated. He has lost much blood. He has ex- he is exhausted and fatigued because he has not been able to get any sleep or rest. And then he has made a public public spectacle, forced to carry this heavy Roman cross to the place where they would crucify him. Now I want you to take all of that into account. And if you want to turn, you can turn or you can listen to Luke chapter 23, verses 26 and 27. In Luke chapter 23, verses 26 and 27, the Bible says, And as they led him away, this is when they're making him a public spectacle, and he's walking... You know, today's vernacular, I don't mean to make light of this, but they, they call it a perp walk today, okay? And they're, 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 they're parading the person out so that he can be humiliated. And so and as they laid, laid, led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And of course, this was done because Jesus at this point, due to exhaustion and fatigue and loss of blood, is unable literally to carry the cross. And then I want you to notice verse 27. And there followed him a great company of people, and of women which also bewailed and lamented him. But I want you to notice the great company of people that observed the human spectacle that Christ was made. They observed Jesus being forced to somehow attempt to carry this cross, bloodied and beaten from all that had occurred over the previous days and nights. He was made a spectacle for the crowd. And then this third way in which Jesus suffered humiliation. The soldiers gambled for his garments. He was not allowed to enjoy a, or, or enjoy is not the right word, to endure a dignified death. Yet they took his clothes and they gambled for them as though he were just some common person. Here I want you to turn to John chapter number 19, verses 23 and 24. Notice John chapter number 19, verses 23 and 24. Here the Bible says, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat, now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rent it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now you understand that the soldiers didn't do that, them to fulfill the scripture, but this was done, them not even knowing that this was a fulfillment of the Holy Scriptures. And so they took Jesus' coat and they parted lots for his coat. They gambled for his coat. This, as John points out in John chapter number 19, was a fulfillment of Psalm 22 and verse number 18. 
In Psalm 22 and verse number 18, the Bible reads, They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. This was a humiliation to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not even permitted to have any dignity after He's dead and crucified. They part lots and gamble for His garments. I love what Spurgeon wrote about this facet of Christ's inhumane punishment in the treasure of David. Spurgeon wrote this, How every incident of Jesus' griefs is here stored up in the treasury of inspiration and embalmed in the amber of sacred song. We must learn hence to be very mindful of all that concerns our beloved and to think much more of everything which has a connection with Him. Folks, the punishment that Jesus endured was inhumane. It wasn't only inhumane because of the physical pain and torture and agony that He underwent, but it was inhumane, first of all, because of the emotional abuse that He suffered. And secondly, this morning... It was inhumane because of the mental anguish that he was forced to undergo. Now, the mental part of abuse is different than the emotional part. And I won't get into all the ways that abusers uh, use a mental weapon today, but when we're talking about mental anguish that Christ endured in his uh, inhumane punishment, what I'm talking about is his persecutors and those that were putting him to death heap so much mental stress on the Lord Jesus Christ with the sole purpose to completely and utterly break Him down. You know, you can only take so much. When we went over to the uh, uh, Missouri Correctional Facility a few weeks back with the Johnsons, do you remember how we went down into the lower part where the solitary confinement was and they put us in one of these cells and they turned out the lights and it was so dark you couldn't see anything in there and uh, what did the guide tell us that there were many that were put down there that mentally could not take it they mentally lost their minds they had so much heaped upon them that they could not endure the stress and go through that much longer folks I'm telling you that Jesus suffered an inhumane punishment it was not only due to the emotional abuse but also the mental anguish that he was forced to undergo so much was heaped upon him that the mental stress was designed to completely break him down as a person, not just to dehumanize him, but to break him down. Now, how was it that Jesus suffered mental anguish? First of all, he suffered mental anguish because he was forced to endure shame. This is different than the mockery and the humiliation that made up the emotional abuse. He was forced to endure the shame. Hebrews chapter 12 gives insight into the shame that Christ endured. Paul, I believe, wrote the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2, the Apostle Paul writes, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm here to tell you that the death that the Lord Jesus Christ experienced and all that went with it, the inhumane punishment is certainly evident by the mental anguish and the shame that he endured. Notice the shame that he endured. How was this shame inflicted upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, it is evidenced by the stigma of the cross. The stigma of the cross. First of all, the stigma of the cross and the curse that is, is associated with with the cross. 
not just anybody was put to death by the cross. In fact, listen to this. This is a statement from the book, and I've I've quoted this before, the work by Roy Stewart. It's entitled Judicial Procedure in New Testament Times. This is an older writing. Roy Stewart writes this. The very thought of the cross brought a shudder to cultured Romans. This emblem of the quintessence of shame was for recalcitrant slaves and unspeakable criminals. Only the scum of the earth by Roman interpretation are to be actually crucified. Now how would you like to be classified with the scum of the earth? Those are not my words. And by the way, this is not a recent writing. This death of the cross brought shame. It was not something that was to be deemed honorable. There is the stigma of the cross and the curse associated with it. Did not the Apostle Paul write himself about the curse that Jesus was inflicted upon and suffered based upon the death of the cross? Of course he did. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 13. In Galatians chapter 3 verse number 13 the Bible reads, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And so Christ was, was, was forced to endure the shame specifically of the cross, of the crucifixion. And by the way, when Paul uses the word cursed in the Greek, it literally means detestable, abominable, or abhorrent. That's the way those that were crucified were viewed. And so Christ endured the shame Certainly, as we look about the look at the, what the Lord Jesus Christ uh, endured on the cross, the stigma of the cross, the curse associated with it, but also the criminals that Jesus was condemned with. Now, if Jesus is forced to die on the cross, and that was, of course, limited to, as Stuart tells us, the scum of the earth, then who was crucified with Jesus? The Bible says in Luke chapter 23, verses 32 and 33, In Luke 23, verses 32 and 33, and there were also two other malefactors. By the way, again, the word malefactor means evildoer. Led with him to be put to death. Verse 33, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And so these were no run-of-the-mill criminals. In fact, it's possible, and if not even probable, that the two thieves that were crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ were accomplices of Barabbas and complicit in the sedition because Barabbas is also called a robber as well as a murderer and an insurrectionist. We think about the criminals that Jesus was condemned with. Isaiah again, in Isaiah chapter 53, prophesied that this would be the case. In Isaiah 53, verse 9, And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And so it was determined beforehand, according to the sovereign will of God, and his foreordained plan that Jesus Christ would suffer with malefactors and be condemned with those that were only worthy of the most vile and despicable death really recognized on the earth at that time, and that was crucifixion. So we see that Jesus Christ, uh, He was enduring shame because of the stigma of the cross. He endured shame because of the signs that were erected mocking His royalty. Turn with me to John chapter number 19 
And I want you to notice John chapter number 19, verses 19 through 22. In John chapter number 19, verses 19 through 22, notice here. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews. For the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what, have I, what, ha, what I have written, I have written. This was done to shame the Lord Jesus Christ. He's already been publicly humiliated. He's been mocked by the soldiers. And now they top off the sport that they made with Jesus Christ by erecting these signs that would say that, Oh yes, by the way Jews, here's your king of the Jews. And it was all shamefully done and Jesus endured that shame and now we reach the last point that we make this morning I appreciate your attention we're talking about Jesus's inhumane punishment in that he suffered not only emotional abuse but mental anguish that mental anguish was exhibited in him enduring shame but secondly this mental anguish was had a cumulative effect a cumulative effect because of his suffering now I want you to think about all that went in to the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember we said that this mental anguish, it was designed to heap so much mental stress on Jesus so as to completely break Him down. You know yourself that you have days in your life where you say, I can't take much more. I can't take much more. You know, I had this go wrong, this go wrong, and that go wrong, and this. I can't take much more. I, I am heaped with all that I can bear. You are in danger of a mental meltdown. And I understand that we all have those situations and we deal with stress. Stress is a part of life. But I want you to think about the mental stress, stress and the cumulative effect of Jesus' suffering. As And by the way, this is before He gets to the cross. This is all before He gets to the cross when we're talking about the mental anguish that He is enduring. First of all, think about His isolation in the garden. Have you ever really thought about Jesus' inhumane punishment reaching all the way back to the garden? But when He went into the garden to pray, He was in isolation. He left His inner circle there to, to pray and keep watch. And of course, we know the story. They couldn't even stay awake. They fell asleep. But listen to what Jesus experienced in His isolation in the garden. This is the onset of His mental stress and strain and suffering. In Luke chapter 22 and verse number 44, the Bible reads, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So he's already under mental stress and mental anguish. And then what happens? There in the garden, by secrecy at night, members of the Sanhedrin come and arrest Jesus as though he is a common criminal. And we've already studied this in length. at length. It's an illegal arrest. And then Jesus, not being allowed to go have any rest or sleep throughout the night, is held before this kangaroo court of the Sanhedrin that is assembled there at Caiaphas's palace. And he goes back and forth. He's sent between Annas and Caiaphas. And then he's taken back and beaten and abused by the Jews themselves. 
And then he goes before the great Sanhedrin in the morning. Still not any time to gather his thoughts. And then he's taken from the great Sanhedrin at about 5 o'clock in the morning and he's marched off to Pilate. And then Pilate sends him to Herod. And Herod makes fun of him and, and, and mocks him and sends him back to Pilate. And then Pilate puts him out before the people and Pilate scourges him. All of this Jesus suffered back and forth. In fact, listen, he's beaten by the Jews while he's before the Sanhedrin. In Matthew 26, verse 67, it says, Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands. Folks, that's before he even made it to Pilate. Can you begin to imagine the mental anguish and suffering that Christ is enduring? In fact, I will say this. When we talk about his illegal arrest and his illegitimate trial, Jesus, before he ever made it to the cross is already so badly beaten that you can't even recognize his face. And I say that because Isaiah prophesied that that would be the case. In Isaiah 52 and verse number 14, Isaiah prophesied and said, As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So he's beaten such that you can't even recognize his face. Folks, I've looked at some horrendous crime photos. And I've seen some, some depravity. What man does to his fellow man. And Christ's visage was so marred that they didn't even recognize him. I would submit to you that this is why they didn't recognize him even after his resurrection. When he's sitting at the tomb, coming and visiting, they didn't, didn't even recognize who he was. His visage was so marred. He was scourged by Pilate. In Matthew 27, 26, it says, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. All of this before Jesus' physical torture and agony on the cross. All that went into his suffering. And he's not even on the cross yet. Oh, the inhumane treatment of Jesus Christ. And yet I circle back to the verses that we started with. In Luke 18, before any of this even happened, Jesus knew what he was going to endure. In fact, let's close by rereading our text verses. In Luke chapter number 18, notice verses 31 through 33. Luke 18, verses 31 through 33. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles. That's the Romans. And he shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. We didn't even spend time talking about the multiple times that Jesus was spit upon. And yet knowing all of this, he marched on and endured the cross, suffering the shame, yielding himself 
to an inhumane punishment for his people. Are you one this morning? Have you been saved by the grace of God? Did Christ die for you? If Christ died for you, folks, it isn't some clean crucifix where we see Jesus hanging on a cross and a little thing of blood trickling from his side and a crown placed upon his head. This was a brutal beating that Jesus endured. He suffered emotional abuse and mental anguish. And we haven't even gotten to the physical agony of the cross. Christ died for sinners. As Paul said, of whom I am chief. May you know him today. The one who suffered such an inhumane punishment for me, for you. Let's pray.